Hi, I'm Aubrey Charette. Thanks so much for joining us today on the podcast for Harrisonburg Nazarene Church. Please subscribe for updates and new episodes to this podcast. Also, you can now search for our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. Join us each Sunday at 9 and 10.30 a.m. on Facebook Live. Be sure to like or follow our page while you're there. If you were here at all with us this summer, you know that we were camped out in the book of Acts. And we really could continue to stay there. Uh, but we're moving forward in this fall with the new series. But we're going to begin uh, this morning a little bit where we left off in Acts chapter 2. I'm going to have it on the screen behind me. But I want you to understand a little bit as a foundation for the new series that we're beginning today. Some of what was happening again, a glimpse of what was happening in the early church in the book of Acts. And that's really what Acts is. It's an account of the early church after uh, Jesus' life and as his resurrection and the spirit of God really breaks loose among his people, the church is formed. And it wasn't formed because they had a meeting and said, what should we do? Let's be the church. No, it's the spirit of God was moving in people's hearts and incredible things were happening. In Acts 2, uh, verse 42, it says this. It says, the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. Remember that word. We'll come back to it in a minute. To fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs being performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give them to whoever had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. I want you to think for a minute and look at that in verse 42, that word fellowship. That word fellowship that's represented here. And if you know, if you were with us this summer... There's a lot of things happening in the book of Acts. There's a lot of incredible things. But here we see an example in the midst of some supernatural things. We see something that seems very ordinary in this idea of fellowship. And I don't know about you. I grew up in the church and the word fellowship is a very churchy word. I grew up in a pretty large church and we had a one whole room in our church. It was called the fellowship hall. Like at night that I just grew up thinking that was a normal thing. And that's like the churchiest thing ever, right? Like this room where you just meet and you have fellowship. And so I realized that as I read that, some of us in the room maybe understand that. Some of us have no idea. What does that even mean? And if you look at the Greek word for the word fellowship, it's an important one. It's koinonia. Koinonia is that Greek word. And it means, it means something way different than a potluck supper. Some of us love that, right? But that's not it. Uh, it means more than just coming together and everybody hugging. and having, It's not it. That's not it. Koinonia literally means commitment. It means communion connection with one another, community. This idea of koinonia, that's what fellowship means, that it's, that it's commitment and, and this communion with one another, community. In fact, look, look with me at 1 John 1, 3. We see it again, the same exact word koinonia used here, except it's used in this way. It says, what we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you also so that you too may have fellowship, koinonia, with us. And indeed, our koinonia, our fellowship is with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. There's this connection. There's this communion with God in the same word. The same word that's used to describe our connection with God is the same word that's used in our connection with one another. This is a deep word, this koinonia, this idea of fellowship. It's something much deeper, maybe, than we would think. And so over these next three weeks, we're, as a church, going to focus on this series with a call toward community, a call towards koinonia, and we're calling the series All Together New. This is a topic as a church that we have to talk about. 
As soon as I mention the idea of community, the air gets sucked out of the room. Because I know, I know some of you are in here, you're like, oh, people. I don't want to deal with people, right? right? I'm fine coming to church and sitting in my seat, but I don't want to have to deal with people. I'm an introvert. I don't like people. I, I get that, right? I get that. But I'm here to tell you today that this idea of community is not my idea. It's certainly not something that I came up with that biblically, biblically for us as a church, it would be reckless of me, irresponsible for me as your pastor to not talk about the importance of community in the life of believers. And you don't have to take my word for it that we're going to look here in just a minute based on the word of God that this is, this is essential. This is not an optional thing in our lives. This is essential. And more than that, the reason that I believe that you need community, more than just the fact that it's foundational in the word of God, is that we live in a world today that has never been more connected, yet has never been more isolated. We live in a world today that we, we, are, we are more connected than ever before. I can wake up and some of you, I can see what you had for breakfast and I can hear what your thoughts were on the weather and I can, we've never before had more information about what each other's doing and where we are. I can, a, with a push of a button, I can call China and look face to face with somebody. I mean, we are more connected than ever before in human history, but yet we're more alone than we've ever been. Statistically, statistically, 50% of Americans report that they feel alone. They feel lonely. Another, just slightly less than that, 43% say they lack true, meaningful relationships. This, this is not a topic that I'm sharing with you today because I just want to. This is something that we need because we live in a world where we're more connected than ever before, but we are more isolated and more alone than we've ever felt in the history of humankind. And so today, uh, we're going to begin this series, and every week, we're going to talk about a different characteristic, a different attribute of this community, this koinonia that we read about in, in Scripture. And so today, we're going to begin by acknowledging that the call to community is a call to gather. The call to community is a call to gather. That meeting together is not this optional idea. It's not this, well, if you can do it, that's great. That biblically, we are mandated. We are called to community and gathering. So, so look with me now. Hebrews chapter 10 is really where we're going to be today. This is everything that I've said is to get us there. But Hebrews chapter 10 is kind of the meat and potatoes text for us today. And we're just going to look at three verses, verses 23, 24, and 25. But I, I believe by the time we're done this morning, you'll see that this idea of community, this call to community, this call to gather is a foundation of biblical truth for us. Not just thousands of years ago as these words are written, but, but today, today. So would you read with me? It's on the screen behind me if you don't have it there in front of you. This is Hebrews 10. Starting with verse 23, it says this, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching the author of Hebrews here is, he's referring to a problem, a problem that they have given up. They have forsaken this idea of coming together, of gathering, of meeting together. And that should sound really familiar to us. 
Because we live in a world today where we struggle sometimes to value this idea of gathering. Maybe it's because of technology, but maybe we've just become so individualistic and so isolated that the thought of coming together, literally, even to just get people to gather in a church building has never been harder than it is today. Christians, believers, the typical average Christian in America will come to church 1.8 times a month. And we can say that that's just the sign of the times, but the reality is that this idea of gathering has never, never been harder. It's never been more of a challenge. It's never been more of a struggle. You feel that. You understand that. I'm not condemning you, but you, but you know as busy as your life is and all the demands that are facing you as a family or as an individual, you often might feel like, oh, I, man, it's just good if I can get here once in a while. We understand that. But the author of Hebrews thousands of years ago is addressing an issue that I think faces us today. And he's saying, you can't give up. You can't give up on meeting together. You can't give up on this idea of gathering. Remember in Acts chapter 2, in Acts chapter 2 that we started with, this koinonia, this fellowship, they were gathering daily. They were gathering in homes and they were gathering and meeting needs. And so what has happened now 20 years later that now the author of Hebrews is saying, man, don't, don't forget that. Don't forget your foundation. Don't forget that your foundation, this community, this beautiful thing that was birthed out of the Holy Spirit in his church, man, don't give up on that because all it took was 20 years and now that's been forgotten. They've lost sight of the importance of gathering, not just gathering in large like this. No, 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 gathering in homes and in in smaller groups of community. This this reality for us is that there is no substitution for face-to-face gathering. I love technology. We have friends right now watching on Facebook Live, and they they would not be able to be here otherwise. I love that. I love that we can leverage technology for the good of God's kingdom. I love that. But there is no substitution in life for face-to-face gathering. I was talking yesterday and understanding that we have a generation now, and it's not just young people. Some of us that are older have now gotten accustomed to that we live in a generation where we communicate this way, but we don't know how to communicate this way. There are relationships that you have with people through here that you can't talk to like this. I mean, it's just weird, but this is the world we live in. And so we have to understand the biblical mandate to gather. In fact, at HFCN, we believe that gathering, that gathering in community has never been more important than it is now for the present and future of our church. We believe that when you gather in groups, in smaller groups, you can be known Like some of you, I know, being in a bigger church, you're like, oh, I don't know anybody there. We believe that one of the best ways to be known in community is to gather in smaller groups. We also believe, though, it's one of the best ways to be cared for. And in the future, as we move forward, I will even say as your pastor that if you want to be cared for here, then you've got to engage in community. There's no way that we can meet all of your needs. There's no way that we can show up for you in the ways that we need to if you withdraw yourself from community. Because community is the way that we can know each other and we can help meet needs and and we can grow in relationship. But don't take my word for it. This isn't my agenda. Now, look look again with me at Hebrews chapter 10, these verses that we just read. And I want you to understand biblically three really powerful things that gathering, that community does for us. The first is this, is that gathering sustains us. It sustains us. Look at what it says there in verse 23. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. The author is writing to a group of believers 
of Christians, Jewish Christians living in Jerusalem. And 20 years have passed since Jesus died and and was raised again and resurrected, ascended into heaven. And, And 20 years later, these Christians living in Jerusalem are facing extreme persecution. To bear the name of Christ follower is not an easy call. And so they're facing daily, regular persecution in their lives. And so the author is writing here to a group of people that may be tempted to give up. They may be tempted to look around and say, man, this is not worth it anymore. This is too hard. The risk is too great. And so he he writes not individually to them, not you hold on and you hold on and you, but collectively together, hey, let us together hold unswervingly. Let us hold on to this faith that we proclaim. This is communal language here that he's referring to. But look, the very next verse. So he says, let us hold on to the faith that we profess He who promised is faithful and, and look at 24, let us consider, let us consider how we may spur one another on, that these ideas are very connected, that this idea of being sustained happens in community, happens as we gather, that there is undeniable in your life that you will have spiritual fervor and and I can do it and I'm gifted and I'm strong enough that there'll be a moment in your life where you will need people, you will need community. You are so strong, but you will not be strong enough. There will be that moment when you look around and you say, wow, I need somebody. I don't care how isolated you, I don't care how introverted you are, there will be a moment in your life where you're going to look around and you're going to need somebody to show up for you. And the author of Hebrews reminds us that gathering, in our gathering, we are sustained. We are sustained. I love this proverb. It's an African proverb that I've recited many times to our staff, but it's so true. It says this, if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. That's the sustaining power of community that on our own, man, we can go fast and we can do our thing and we can blaze our trail, but one day you're going to look around and you're not going to be able to sustain that. That if you want to go far, we you got to go together in community. This matters because there will be a moment in your life when it gets tough. You're going to need people. You're going to need community because gathering, in our gathering, we're sustained. Next, I want you to know, according to verse 24, that gathering, it moves us. I don't have a better word for that, but I'll try to explain. Look again, we just read these words in verse 24. Let us consider, it's again together, us. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. This is a powerful image here of a spur. And it will shock no one in the room that knows me, that knows I don't own a pair of cowboy boots. That will shock no one. But I brought a pair, I borrowed, I have friends, okay? And, and I, I love this powerful illustration of the spur. This language that's used here that's really not used anywhere else in Scripture. It's a powerful illustration for us. Some of you that are way more familiar with boots, you've got a closet full of them. You understand the purpose of the spur. The purpose of that is, of course, you know, the animal, that, you know, the horse, whatever, and you need to go faster. So you spur it forward. Let, let's go. There's not a gas pedal on those things, I've been told. I don't know. I don't get on them very much. But you've got to have some way to get the animal to move forward. And so this idea of spurring on is this idea of, of we got to move, we got to go. And I'm here to tell you, it's a powerful illustration of community. Because left to our own devices, left on our own, there will be times when we get so comfortable in what we want to do, 
We get comfortable in what we believe the gospel means and our interpretation of scripture. And, our, and there's powerful, of course, of course, the power of, of God and his word. And, but there's just something powerful when we come into community. And I'm here to tell you sometimes that community, it moves me forward. I want to stay stuck. I want to stay where I am. I'm feeling good right here. But through community and through gathering, God uses them to urge me on, to compel me, to push me forward. And I'm stuck where I'm at. And it's just a gentle nudge from people in my life that I, I get way too comfortable, you know, in, in my, my being a father or in my marriage or in my, and just not even by what they say, but just being in community with other believers. I observe their life and I see, and it helps move me towards the person that God wants me to be. But there's even, there's an even more powerful illustration here. As I was studying and, and understanding that the spurs were actually created by the ancient Romans. I thought they were just cowboys out in the field that did it. You know, I had no idea. But spurs were actually created by the ancient Romans. And the reason they created it is because they needed a way to not just tell the horse to go, but to actually guide the horse so that their hands would be free in battle. And so the spurs they created would not just tell the horse go, move, they would actually guide the horse left or right or wherever they needed to go without using their hands so that they would be free to fight in battle. And so what I want you to see here is that the author is telling us that community, it it spurs you on, it moves you forward, it compels you, but there are times in your life where community will be the guardrails that you need to guide you, to keep you on path. There will be times where if you're not careful, you're veering a little bit close over here. And God is gonna use community as you gather, as you open yourself up to community, to relationships with others. God is gonna use those people in your life to help say, ooh, 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 I'm getting a little too close to the edge here. I'm gonna guide over this way. That's what it means. Let us consider how we may spur one another on because that's the power of gathering. That gathering, it moves us. It moves us forward. And we believe that the word of God guides us. And we believe, of course, that the Holy Spirit is empowering us. But you cannot ignore the power of community and how God uses it to move us. Move us according to his will and his plan. I I would not be the person I am today. If it wasn't for community, godly men and women that God's used in my life, there's power in gathering. Gathering moves us. But finally, I want you to know that gathering encourages us. You see that. It's right there in the scripture, verse 25. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. All the more as you see the day approaching. It's, it's almost as if to give up meeting together means you won't be encouraged that you can't be encouraged without meeting together. It's like the two are completely dependent on one another. And the reality is the believers were discouraged. Why? Well, we've already said they were facing persecution. They were facing hard days, hard moments. There were reasons. I'm sure they wanted to look around and be afraid and they wanted to quit, but they were also discouraged because life is discouraging, right? I mean, some of you in here, you you understand what that's like. You wake up on Monday morning or Tuesday morning and you look at the news or you look at your bank account or you're frustrated about whatever it is and you're just, you're discouraged. Life is discouraging. It can be. But we're reminded in verse 25 that our level of encouragement is connected to our level of community. That's powerful, That's powerful. The level of encouragement that I have in my life is connected to the level of community I'm experiencing with other brothers and sisters in Christ. And we often, I don't know what comes first, the discouragement 
or the isolation, but I'm here to tell you, show me somebody that isolates themselves from community and I'll show you somebody that will get very discouraged. Oftentimes, show me somebody that's very discouraged and I can show you oftentimes, it's not every time, it's not all the time, but these two things are so closely connected. Why? Because one of the purposes of our gathering is we're encouraged. We're encouraged. We realize we're not alone. We realize that we're not the only ones fighting this battle. We realize that we've been gifted. Look at this. You are not called to live according to God's will on your own. You've been gifted, brothers and sisters that are in this fight with you, that are running this race with you. And through that, man, there's incredible encouragement that comes from that. And that's not my idea. It's God's idea because we are called as we gather. Don't give up meeting together. Why? It's encouraging. Maybe you don't need the encouragement now, but, but you will. There will be a moment when you look around and you say, wow, I feel so alone. I feel so afraid. I feel so defeated. One of the greatest gifts in your life is the gift of community because as we gather, we're encouraged we're encouraged. I know as soon as you begin preaching on a topic like this, as I've said earlier, the air in the room just gets sucked. I mean, it's just some of us get very, very uncomfortable because we're just not wired that way. Some of you are the life of the, you could show up in the group and you know everybody's name and you're passing out the food and you're, you're great, but you're sick. We don't understand you. You know, the rest of us, kidding a little bit, you know, but the rest of us, you know, we kind of have our people and our thing and our, and we walk into environments like, oh man, this is, you know, I get it. Some of us, in fact, we love the idea of solitude and that's very biblical. We'll talk about that at some point. We love the idea of solitude, but this idea of community, we want to reject. We want to push back against that. I think both matter to God. I love Henry Nouwen's quote. I want to share it with you. He says this, he says, the God we meet in solitude is always the God who calls us to community. That's powerful. That's powerful. Look, look I'm, I'm here to tell you, I have four kids, so there's powerful moments in being alone. I'm here to tell you. Like, I like being alone sometimes. That's a good thing. That's very spiritual. It's holy sometimes when you can be alone. But I'm here to tell you, it's easy to live there. It's easy to stay there. But the God who meets us in the solitude is always the God who calls us, who urges us, who prompts us to community. Why? Because you're going to need a moment. There's going to be a moment in your life that comes. You're not going to be able to sustain it on your own. You're not going to be able to carry through on your own. That's not a threat. It's just a promise from Scripture that you're going to need people. And maybe, maybe those people are going to be the ones who help move you, who help, who help are the guardrails to help keep you on the path that God would have for you. Maybe those people are going to be the ones that just encourage you through a season of life. There are people here today that are standing, and they're standing because of community, that in the darkest moment of their life, they showed up for them. They were there to encourage them, to hold them up, to help them just one step at a time. And I'm here to tell you, man, there will be a moment. We all need that. Community. Together as a church today, I just want to call you to community. What, one of the greatest gifts we've been given Oh man, we've been given Jesus. We've been given the Holy Spirit, the gift of his power within us, but I don't want you to miss the gift that we've been given in community, that we are not called to do this alone. And some of you are trying. Today, I just want to invite you to lean in to God's call to community. Thank you again so much for listening today. Email us at info at a for any questions about our church. 
We have two gatherings every Sunday morning at 9 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. and a third gathering at 11.45 in Spanish. Celebrate Recovery also meets here each and every Monday night at 6 p.m. We're at 1871 Boyers Road in Rockingham, Virginia, and we would love for you to join us. As soon as you're finished listening today, please subscribe to this channel for updates and new episodes.